The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... It was a bizarre feeling. It fully felt like I was honestly being abducted by aliens, that I basically had no control over my body. And lucky enough for me, I had these Lucasay tablets in my case. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. What is happening? Welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted that you've joined me here today. And I always say it, but I always appreciate it. And I appreciate you tuning in each week. And it shows to me and Graham, and it shows to yourself, I hope, that because you're showing up each week, you're listening each week, you're putting in the reps to consume this information and hear these stories and the experiences to better your diabetes management. And that's what it's all about. And boy, oh boy, do I have a story for you today. The guest that I have to say his story and experience takes you on a journey is a bit of an understatement. But the guest that I have is Mr. Richie Allen. He is from Dublin in Ireland. And he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 21. Richie talks us through his recent experience with COVID-19. He seemed to have a slightly worse experience than I did, to say the very least. Richie also takes us through two really bad hypo incidents that he had. And he goes into such great detail and describes them so well. But Richie also takes us on to incredible journeys that he had and he completed two charity events which admittedly for him were both immensely transformative both physically and mentally and those two events were walking 100 kilometers in 24 hours and completing three marathons in 24 hours he rode one he cycled one and he ran one so I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. So I'll let you get straight into it. Enjoy. So firstly, Richie, thanks a million for coming on. I know the the last time that we spoke properly was actually on your own podcast. And I remember it so well because it was the first time I had been on a podcast 
and I was absolutely terrified. So <laughs> it's good to be on the other end of that now at this stage. What's the crack? Oh, yeah. No, I remember that as if it was last week, how quickly time flies on. But yeah, no, listen, all is good. Crazy old world we're living in at the moment. And yeah, no, as I've said to you even off air, big fan of your podcast. I think what it does to the diabetic community and even people who maybe aren't diabetic, it's brilliant. So yeah, no, all good and looking forward to having this quick chat. Good stuff. I appreciate that. And look, I've been really looking forward to this chat and Part of that is obviously because I've had a chat with you before, but you have done two incredible physical challenges, to say the least. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about those in more detail. But to keep things current, I believe yeah. you uh, you had a bad experience with COVID recently, did you? Yes, unfortunately. So, yeah, as we're all aware, it is the the whispers on the street that no one wants to actually have arrive at their doorstep but yeah no I was I was away during the summer when everyone kind of thought it was where we're going to see the back of COVID and I went over to Spain and I remember when I was over in Spain I was fully vaccinated the people I was with were fully vaccinated so we all thought we were rather invincible and yeah so I was enjoying the holiday went over just before we left, we had to get the PCR test, obviously, to get back into Dublin. And one of the people I was with tested positive for COVID. And we immediately were like, oh, it must be a false positive or the usual kind of chat you'd have from people in their mid-20s. But it was a case where it actually turned out he did have it. And then the rest of the crew that were there all tested negative. So we all presumed, okay, we were just... We, we were lucky we didn't have to, you know, quarantine over there and obviously not be able to travel back home. So obviously one of our friends was stuck over in Spain where we left and we arrived back with our, our negative PCRs. We kept testing when we were back in Dublin and about a day or two after I arrived back home uh, to my parents' house, I took one of those antigen tests and it came up positive. And immediately you're like, oh crap, surely this is this must be fake. It must be a wind-up. It definitely can't be the case. But then obviously knowing the situation that I'd left in Spain, I was like, right, this is definitely serious. So I had to kind of isolate. But at this stage, I'd already been quite close to my parents. And obviously myself, I'm technically high risk. Uh, my dad would be high risk or what I mean by that is vulnerable. And then my mother was she only had one part of her vaccine rather than the two. So I then was like, get away from me, get away. It was as if I was like about to turn into some sort of vampire. I'd been bitten by a vampire and I was like, get back, get back, get back. <laughs> and I obviously was isolating. And I remember like reading, because this is what you do if you get diagnosed with absolutely anything. And you even probably know the same when you get diagnosed as a diabetic, you go on Google 24 seven and try to become your own doctor. And <laughs> I was seeing like, when, when do you come up as positive on a test? And it says like four to five days. And then it also tells me like what effects you'd be getting. And then from getting tests with my doctor and stuff like that, he was convinced it was the Delta variant, which was all the rage at the time. And what basically transpired was, I felt okay after, you know, five, six days of having it. Then on like the seventh, eighth day, I started kind of feeling a bit groggy, 
my throat started deteriorating pretty quickly. I started getting really bad night sweats and then also like day shivers. It was bizarre. And I basically then also heard the news that both my parents tested positive and I'm like, oh Jesus, this is this is the, the worst nightmare come true. And what happened was, and I wasn't aware of this, but thanks to lucky Google, my doctor at the time, I was staying in contact with my doctor because I was just like keeping them up to date as how good or bad I felt. But when I started to feel really, really bad to the point where like I was so weak, couldn't get off the sofa, I was pretty much like coughing every 10, 20 seconds, a big aggressive fit. Uh, as I said, having these like cold sweats or have these real bad fevers, I started no- noticing testing my bloods that they were just ridiculously high. And it wasn't a case of like, oh, I had pizza last night and it was just it was rocking up the next morning. It was just gradually getting higher and higher. And no matter how much insulin I took, it just kept going up. And I was like, is this a faulty pen? What's going on? Is the needle blocked? What's... Like, is my skin now just just detached from being able to take insulin? But from a quick look on Google and chatting to my doctor, he was saying uh, what happens in some cases when you've got really bad fevers, you become insulin-like tolerant. So basically your insulin doesn't work. And in this case, I was going, my bloods were like well above 20, um, which is obviously far from ideal. And I was trying to counteract that. I was like, right, I'll take four units. Hopefully that gets something down. Then there was nothing. And it was this is approaching, by the way, 12, 1 o'clock at night. So I couldn't obviously sleep. And I was taking like four units and then nothing would happen. It would still keep going up. Then I was like, right, we need to really try get this down. I took like 10 units. And then eventually my doctor was like, here, you need to just stop taking that insulin because at some stage your body will probably react to it. Uh, but it would take it could take anywhere from an hour to ten hours, and I was just like, "How that does this work?" Because you know your cell phone that when you take insulin ninety nine times out of a hundred, there's a reaction to it. Mm. But we're feeling really bad, knowing that the parents had you know COVID to contend with in the next few days. I was sitting there like half one in the morning, absolutely knackered, crying for bed, knowing that I had something like I think it was like. 36 units of insulin unaccounted for just in in my stomach or wherever it was in my bloodstream and it, it, it hadn't taken effect yet so I was thinking how on earth am I meant to go to bed knowing that I've got you know 36 units of insulin just in there and you know yourself if that kicks in when I'm asleep the I'll have literally seconds and then I'll be in hypo territory so I basically had to stay up and keep checking my blood every 20, 30 minutes. And it took about three to four hours. It was about five o'clock in the morning. And it got to the stage where we we're very close to calling an ambulance. Because obviously, if I doves off and I start plummeting down with the blood sugar, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a pretty sight for anyone. No. And then the fact that we've COVID as well doesn't help. But what happened was at about five or six that morning, I eventually started checking and I noticed, okay, it's actually coming down now. And gradually in the space of like 20 minutes, it went from in the late 20s down to 
I think it was like 5.6. That just shows you how quick it hit. So it's a big drop. It was, yeah, the drop was like, it was like a roller coaster, as I call it. It was like building up to the peak and then just a sudden drop. Um, but then I got, I got hold of it. And with regards to then COVID, the thing about the Delta was it was only a 48 to 72 hour window where you actually felt the effects. So after a day or two, I felt much better. I, completely got over it from a, a physical point of view um my as i said my insulin was working back to normal but then obviously the the biggest effect i had was obviously the, the sense of smell and taste i just noticed once i was true covid i was like right thank god i, I survived now i need to worry about my dad and mother not you know passing away or getting really seriously ill that's obviously the biggest guilt you have but thankfully they made it true but I noticed a few days after that when I was eating my breakfast, I couldn't actually taste anything. And I was like, here, I, I can't actually taste, can't taste these eggs. And then typical my dad, who's obviously got true COVID, he was like, oh, stop being a drama queen, just get on with it, blah, blah, blah. And I, then the next, like that whole day, couldn't taste, smell. I was putting like some of the most grotesque things, like nearly gone off yogurt in my mouth. I was drink, like trying to eat and I couldn't even taste it. So that stage, my dad's like, okay, that's strange. But yeah, for something, I think it was 19 days, I'd absolutely zero smell and zero taste, which I again went straight onto Google. In some cases, people never had a return um, post-COVID. But just from like a dealing with COVID and then getting over it and then suddenly being like, right, my two senses of the mouth and nose are completely gone. It was like not a, a shockingly terrible because the great thing about diabetes, it kind of humbles you and gives you a good perspective on things. But my word, it was such a frustrating thing where you'd wake up, go throughout your day for lunch, for dinners. I was attending dinners with friends and families and even coworkers and I would just order salads, the worst things on the menu. People would be <laughs> looking at me being like, what, why are you ordering like just bread? And I'm like, because I'm not going to spend 35 euro on a steak if I can't bloody taste it. So it was, it was a frustrating three weeks post-COVID. But yeah, the biggest learning I got from it was just the fact that when you get these bad fevers, and it, it turns out in absolute general, if you suffer from like sweats or shivers your your insulin can just pretty much stop working which i i didn't think was possible and yeah for that 24 hour 30 hour period it was rather terrifying just like sitting on a sofa uh with covid in your blood uh thinking at any stage this insulin could kick in and i could be in a, a huge amount of bother but uh no thankfully i got through it and there was no real long lasting effects but a few one or two learnings which i've uh, i've taken forward now the next time if i i get covid again or even suffer from fevers and whatnot yeah well richie there was there was a lot in there to say the least yeah um and it sounds even listening to it it sounds so much more stressful than my situation now there was obviously similarities in terms of my bloods were through the roof and i was taking insulin as if it was water trying to get it back down but when you were describing that, like 12, 1 a.m., 36 units in your body, yeah. like the stress and anxiety of that alone is enough to keep you awake. Because yeah. like if you have 36 units hitting you at once, you're crashing big time. 
So it's like, and I, I was even stressing out just listening to you talk about that because <laughs> yeah. it was the stress of you having COVID, the stress of your bloods being high, the stress of your parents having it, the stress of 36 units and the thought of your bloods crashing. And then the smell and taste gone, which is one of the weirdest sensations in the world. So that has come back now after, what was it, 19 days? Yeah, just under three weeks, yeah, it came back gradually. Yeah, one of the weirdest sensations. And that's exactly what happened to me. One of the mornings I got up and I was I was smelling the milk because it was the day of, it was like the, the best before date or whatever. So I, I said I'd smell it to see, to see what it yeah. smelled like. No smell at all. And I was like, ah, that's perfect. I can, I can use that milk. But then I was like, wait a second. I didn't smell anything. And then it dawned on me, it could be my, my sense of smell gone. So I got a bottle of whiskey and stuck my nose in it. And a big sniff in, nothing. And it was just the weirdest sensation in the world. Yeah. no, that I, I made the joke even to some of my mates that you could just become a a full-time alcoholic because you could just have gin and vodka. And not, listen, I tried having shots of vodka to see if my taste buds would come back to life and <laughs> nothing, just a burning sensation in the back of my throat. So it was, it was ridiculous, like it's absolute a, yeah. mental. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it, it's even very difficult to explain that sort of, that sort of sensation or, or describe it without actually having experienced it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's such a, it's something that's you take for granted so easily that like it's just such a a basic requirement of most people's lives from a daily basis, and like you're you're quite literally smelling everything has got a scent to it, and every single meal you have there's a distinctive taste. So when you get get rid of them both at the same time, it's a bit of a culture shock. But as I said, thankfully I was one of the lucky ones that you know got it back as i said i've read cases where people have been years now since they've had covid and they still don't have a sense of smell or taste yeah it's uh as you say once when you kind of go on to google sometimes you can terrify yourself with all these sort of stories at the same time but look you're past it you're you're healthy and your parents are healthy too thankfully which is the most important thing but can i ask you richie how are your bloods now because i I'm recovered from COVID like well over a month and a half, two months now. My bloods still are pretty unpredictable. Yeah, I haven't seen, and like I've I've been seeing your posts where, you know, you've been struggling with inconsistencies and I've even read, I've seen a few people have had kind of adverse effects post COVID. And I suppose that's what one of the biggest learnings I had is that like with COVID, your, your responses and the side effects and, long effects post it are are completely different for more or less every single person like even in my own house me and my dad were like inches from an ambulance being called when my mom who only had one vaccination was listening to queen every night going i feel absolutely great so it was a a bizarre uh few scenes of events but with regards to myself and the bloods they've actually been like very stable very consistent and that's that's one of the great things about COVID is the fact that there's very few distractions. There's a lot of limitations in your life. I always have now time at the start of every single week to get my exercise in. I'm working from home, so I know where I'm going to be for my meals. And to be honest, yeah, with regards to my bloods, I haven't seen any adverse effects from that. And 
yeah, like pretty much once I was out of the woods of COVID, it was more or less back to normal, thankfully. But it is something that I know obviously you've you've struggled with and other people have. But yeah, it seemed that once I was through the woods with COVID, it, it decided, okay, listen, you can just get back to worrying about your bloods from now on. Yeah, here you go. We'll, we'll put things back in place for you. Yeah, exactly. So for you, Richie, was it just that kind of two, three days where your bloods were really difficult to manage? Like, did you make any adjustment to your basal? Did you make any adjustment to your insulin to carb ratio? Or was it just those correction doses you were taking? It was pretty much the correction. So with my background, I was still taking about 24 units uh once a day and then yeah with the the old orange nova rapids i was still doing what i i normally do and the one thing i would actually say post-covid and i have noticed it a little bit and this is one of the adjustments i think i just make over time i don't know if it's the same for everyone else but with covid the only adjustments i made was when i went outrageously high and that was like a gradual thing it took like eight hours to go from 5.6 up to you know in the 20s but one thing i found after which is a slice it was an issue for a day or two because i just noticed it it wasn't being picked up so normally when i first got diabetes you know six seven years ago i would be doing for 10 grams of carbs i'll take one unit and then as i found as months and years went by, I'd have to bump that up. So normally I'd take about 1.3 units for every 10 grams of carbs, 1.2, 1.3. And now I'm up to about a, a 1.4 to 1.5 ratio for that, uh, which I found rather interesting. I don't know if that was due to COVID, but one thing I find is every couple of years, I seem to get more tolerant of insulin by a small margin. So I have to make tiny adjustments when I do calculations by carb counting. Has that just been consistently rising despite the fact that you would have been doing like different exercise or different programs or regimes? Did it always pretty much have the same calculation? Yeah, it's something that you just find from, because I'm, I'm one of these kind of lunatic crazy people who eat the the same things every single week i go to the same restaurants i drink the same carlsberg pints and get slagged for it every single time but <laughs> i'm a, I'm very much a creature of habit because as i said like if i go to a, a lunch spot where i get a sandwich soup and a latte I, I know by definition how much units i need to make sure when i check them in an hour they're spot on but that's something that i did find gradually changed every 18 24 months there'll just be and it wouldn't be major but like i'd be having the same types of foods throughout a week and i'd be like oh my bloods are 9.8 when for the last six months doing more or less the same thing with the same exercise same work schedule it would have been spot on so it was very much something that i'd have to you know test out the adjustment for a few days and then i'd find okay that's that's actually perfect now so that's where i need to be Well, it's good that you even kind of have that awareness to be making those sort of adjustments. And that's even something that Mm. I say on the podcast all the time. Like, it's important to kind of live consciously with your bloods so you can notice these things. And then, if necessary, making those adjustments to basically optimize your bloods as much as possible. So I want to go from your bloods being so high 
and you taking 36 units almost in, in one yeah. go to two bad hypos. So yeah. from what I know and from what you've told me, you've had a couple really bad hypos over the years, of your over your years with diabetes. So what were the circumstances surrounding those? Yeah, so I'll do a, a quick crash course. So <laughs> I... I think in the first five years I had diabetes, so I would have. I think I'm now six and a half or seven years um, with it. But for the first four or five years, I never like I, I went low. Listen, everyone does, but I never got to the stage where I collapsed or lost the run of myself. Like I'd be three point six, and I'd be like, okay, something feels a bit off here. Take my orange juice or take Lucasade, whatever. Most uh, diabetics would know the drill of that, but it never got to the stage where. You hear, I've even, some of my friends had suffered really bad hypos, collapse, had to be taken off in ambulances and like all the crazy terms, the diabetic comas, etc. cetera. Uh, but the, the thing about these is they're all actual, they're all truths and they're all actual possibilities if you do get somewhat careless or, you know, in some cases it's out of your, your own control. But the first one, and the thing is, both of these have happened in the last like 18 months but the first one was when I was away on holiday with a group of friends. It seems like whenever I go on holidays, that's where the, the issues are coming from. So maybe I need to stay put for it's a, a minute, common but, theme here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was I was away and it was only a few days away in Portugal. And I remember it was the it was like the third morning there. And anyone who goes away on holidays knows that it is a challenge like the heat the if you're drinking if you know you're out and about for the whole day if you're swimming all this all loads of different variants that you're not used to uh you have to contend with but normally i'd be quite good at it and i'd been away some at some stages for six eight ten weeks and this was only a few days so i thought no bother but i basically woke up one morning went out had a quick chat with my friends. I thought, okay, well, since I'm feeling rather good, I will just look at my blood. So my bloods were like 5.9. So I was like, right, that's a that's a good start to the morning. So I decided to do like 20 minutes of exercise before we obviously went off and did a bit of drinking, went to the beach, all that type of stuff. So I do the exercise, tell the lads here, I'm just going to go in for a shower, be out in 20, 30 minutes. And... As I get in to the room, we were kind of in a big Airbnb uh, sharing it. I stupidly, and I'd never do this again, I locked the door because I was like, I don't want any of the lads coming in, throwing stuff at me and annoying me while I'm trying <laughs> to go to the bathroom and have a shower, which um, all bets are definitely off on these type of lads' holidays. But <laughs> yeah. I, I shut the door and I remember sitting on the, end of the bed and just before I was about to hop in the shower I kind of got up to make my way to the bathroom and I just fell on the floor uh because my legs just gave way which is a weird sensation I thought I'd actually broken my ankle or something so then I tried to get back up again and I could get up and then suddenly my legs just went again it was as if someone like just knocked you out on the chin just connected with a haymaker and your legs just all all presence, all like strength gone. So I fall on the floor and I'm like, wow, this is a bit weird. So then I then pretty much have to like grab myself onto the the bed. 
And then before I know it, I start just pumping sweat. And I know you've tried to describe it before, but like when you're in that that hypo stage where like I hadn't experienced this before, but like I'm pretty much shaking really bad. I'm actually like visibly sweating. I then try to make it to the door to tell the lads, get me some orange juice, but I then pretty much collapse on the floor and then just start. It was a bizarre feeling. It fully felt like I was, the way I describe it, for lack of a better term, was if I was honestly being abducted by aliens, that I basically had no control over my body. I felt like it was nearly an outer body experience where I basically had left the controls and I'm there on the floor shaking nearly like like fully drooling out of my mouth and lying on the floor. The door's locked. And lucky enough for me, I had these Lucasay tablets in my in my case. And like apart from that, there was nothing in the in the room of any carbohydrate benefit bar. Nothing. There was absolutely nothing. There was just a few bottles of water and whatnot or sun cream. So I remember grabbing them while I'm like back against the floor shaking. And I pretty much got the whole packet and just shoved it into my throat. But the thing was, I could, didn't have the strength to really bite down. So I had to like grab the bottom of my mouth and the top of my mouth just below my nose and like crush it that way. And then with like two or three extra ones, I had to like crush them with my hands or hit my fist against them so I could just pop them in the back of the mouth. So I put pretty much the whole contents into the back of my mouth and I always compared it. I don't know if you've seen the film to Wolf of Wall Street when Leonardo DiCaprio was crawling, <laughs> trying to get into his car. But that whole that whole scene was happening in my in my little bedroom when everyone outside is blaring speakers by the pool and thinking Jesus life is good while I'm having an absolute breakdown in the in the bathroom. But I remember sitting there, uh well lying there I should say, and I could hear like the music and I was so dumbfounded that I couldn't even like scream at this stage. And I was thinking there with the thing locked, I was just like, am I just going to conk out here? And is it then just like completely the luck of the draw that I, you know, wake up fine in five minutes here on the floor or do I wake up in hospital? Do I not wake up? And all in that one moment, you get the full blown like, terror and the the harsh realities of diabetes and that was like a huge in more ways than one a wake-up call but i remember sitting there and fully and just when you think like you've you're on top of your diabetes you're i was thinking jesus christ this is now a another wake-up call and this is another way that diabetes will humble me going forward but thankfully as i i lay there on the floor about seven eight minutes passed of me sweating and being too afraid and more or less being incapable of moving because I felt that bad but I then like and it's a weird feeling you get when you go from being low to you know back to normality but it has and I think you've compared this before it fully felt like I was submerged in the sea and people were just pressing me down and trying to drown me and then I felt just all of a sudden click of the fingers boom back to life. I'm okay now. I'm not shaking. I'm not sweating. There's not drool popping out of my mouth. Um, 
I can actually stand on my own two feet as opposed to collapsing on the floor. So I rock out. Remember, I checked my blood, so it was like 3.9. And then suddenly went up to like 4.1, like five minutes later. But I remember walking walking out to the guys who had absolutely no idea because they'd, they'd obviously had the door locked. And I remember going out to lads. I was like, lads, I had a bit of an issue. I explained the situation to them. And they were obviously were like, mother of God, like that, that, that could have been really, really serious because they obviously know I have have diabetes and know kind of the risks of it and i remember one of my other mates who's a bit of a party animal was upstairs showering himself and he comes down and he kind of sensed the the upset and low beat atmosphere and he was just like why is everyone being such dry shites at the moment and he goes and you and points at me and goes will you get a beer or something like you're acting so sorry for yourself and i was like i actually didn't even say it to him and i was just like if only you knew but that was uh that was the first that was the first proper dose I had with a hypo and my god it was a pretty pretty frightening experience and it's one I actually think about quite regularly on a weekly basis um and yeah if you want I can run through quite quickly the latest one I had if you want on or if you want to um I'm Richie to be honest I'm I'm almost blown away by that story in itself um and even how well you described the whole situation, again, I'm almost sitting here sweating because yeah. that it, it's it's so stressful, you know? And, like, I had so many questions when you were going through all those things, but you, you covered everything I was going to ask almost. But were you lying there and, like, fully aware mentally while this was going on or were you still like were you kind of drowsy or was it just the physical aspect of it that was kind of feeling as if you were being pulled down it was it was it was honestly mentally i knew exactly what was going on even though i'd never experienced it before but like after dropping to the floor twice and the shaking and that nearly that feeling where you're no longer in control. I knew I was like, right, I'm I'm definitely, you know, two point two or whatever the hell it was. But it was it was purely a physical thing. Like mentally there, I was asking myself all the crazy questions. How did this happen? Did someone spike my water? What the hell is going on? Um, will I wake up from this? Is this is this the end? Is this what's going to be known as the the incident in the in the airbnb bedroom but it was purely a physical thing but my word it's never and i'd like to at least think of myself as somewhat as a a strong type character physically but like never like i felt so helpless i was just like right i'm no longer in control here i've given myself over to a pilot and hopefully we'll get through this and the the crazy thing is is if and it's funny, my mom always insists on putting them in my briefcase. If my mom hadn't put those Lucas A tablets in like she does every single time, um, I, I'm actually I'm terrified to think what the alternative would have been in that situation because you've a locked door, you've me not being able to even speak and just shaking and like literally just spitting out saliva and other bits and pieces on the floor. Like it, it wouldn't have went well at all. But thankfully, you know, I was lucky enough to have that by my side 
And then obviously, as I said, the friends outside to uh, quickly get me back in, in check. Yeah, well, thankfully is right that you had those glucose tablets. And mm. like, do you feel as though that was a very sudden realization of, whoa, this is how serious diabetes is and this is how serious it can be so quickly, essentially in the blink of an eye. Yeah, and I think it's it's something you and I, like I three or four of my close friends in the same school they they had diabetes way before I did, so I kind of grew up being aware of what it was and how different people approach it as well. Some people kind of go, ah, I don't really care. Some people live and swear by it, and like everything's done to a T. Some people are kind of halfway. Uh, some people are you know, fitness fanatics who want to stay on top of it. The way I look at it is it's a day by day battle. So every single day I've got a, I've got a match against diabetes. And at the end of every day, I either go, right, I won that one or diabetes beat me here. But yeah, in some cases, and in that particular case, it's, it's just a leveler. It's a complete humbler where you're, you think, okay, I'm, just as normal as everyone else. I don't have to give a care in the world towards absolutely anything. And as you said, the sudden nature of it all just shows you that you're never far away from turning a corner and being in a big, big issue. So it is definitely something that's good to remind you. And I'm not saying that in like a, a casual way. Oh, it's great to get a hypo. Oh, it's it's great to you know suffer from COVID and get terrible adverse effects. But there are stages where and I, I, I'm speaking personally here. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it with the rest of uh, the diabetic population. But there's days where you probably get slightly o- kind of overconfident with diabetes and think you've got it nailed and you're on top of it. And it's it's simply not going to be an issue for you. But these things definitely kick you back a few steps or two and go, okay, well, listen, you're doing well, but just you need to make sure that you're fully aware of what this thing is capable of because it's like a, a lovely family bloody labrador dog that you know nine times out of ten you're going to be able to pet it and it's going to be the greatest thing ever but if you kind of abuse your your loyalty domain and start maybe pulling the tail a little bit or being a bit aggressive with the dog the dog's going to nap at you or else it's going to growl at you and then suddenly you're like oh sorry i thought i was dealing with the lovely family friendly dog here but there's a, a side to it that means business and i thought that was a a definite wake-up call that did kind of, especially in a holiday scenario, really kind of sharpen my focus to everything I did to make sure that, okay, this just this can't happen again because in some cases you don't get a second chance to rectify it. Mm. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there with that dog analogy. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit insane. But... That just come to you now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. But another another part of that that stood out to me was the fact that when you checked your blood sugar, I think you said you were like 5.5, which yeah. on paper is a perfect blood sugar reading. Yeah. And I was only having a conversation with a client re- relatively recently, and she was kind of outlining how sometimes it can be difficult mentally because there's such a fine line between that perfect blood sugar reading and a hypo. Because yeah. you got up that morning, checked your bloods, you're 5.5. And within two millimoles dropping, you're low. And there's such a fine line between that quote unquote perfect reading and 
dropping so low and finding yourself in a situation like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a big thing is you're always like very rarely, unless you haven't eaten for about five, six hours, you're either going up or you're going down. So like your bloods very rarely are going to say, for instance, stay at 5.5. And in hindsight, the more I look back on it, I had a heavy night on the alcohol up until the early hours of that morning. I'd had a tiny bit of water, so I was probably dehydrated. I was sleep deprived. I hadn't eaten enough food. I'd taken my background dose, but naturally the effects of alcohol is ultimately to spike and lower. Well, at least that's what happens with me. So when I probably checked in the morning and then obviously after the exercise and into my bathroom 40 minutes later, there's a still a strong chance that like maybe 30 minutes before I woke up, I was probably 7.2 and I was on the way down and I was going mm. down pretty quickly in that then going out in a 32 degree heat and doing 20 minutes of kind of intense exercise that just sped up the, the process. So as you said, you're, it's a fine line from having good bloods to bad ones. And especially in this case, you could be 4.6 and think you're on top of the world, but you could be just after a meal and undershoot your insulin. And before you know it, it's 12.6 or you could be, on the on the slippery slope down into hypo town so it's uh it's a it's a fine fine line and i also think the external circumstances of what you did the night before where you are what's the weather like have you done exercise there's so many different variables that have effects on it it's it's something that you always have to somewhat be cautious of because sometimes it's not exactly possible to stay on top of yeah absolutely and i think even the combination of those three of the drink the night before, the heat and the exercise, three of those combined, inevitably you're going to have some sort of impact on your bloods. But look, yeah, thank God you got through that one. And I'm almost nervous to hear the story of the next one, Richie, to, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's, thankfully it's not, it's not as bad. Uh, it'd be tough to be as bad, but this actually only happened a couple of months ago where I and I'll be brief with it because it is quite a brief story. But I remember walking down to my local shop. I was far too, far too excited to go to bed. I was nearly just like had that wiry feeling where if I go to bed, I'm just going to be staring at the ceiling all night. So I was like, right, I'm just going to go down, walk down to my local shop, which is in Donnybrook. It's that spire that never, never shuts, twenty four seven job. <laughs> Think I know I walk, one. <laughs> yeah, I walk I walk down in the middle of the night and it's like twelve, half twelve. So there's very few people on the street. But as I'm walking down, I and about twenty minutes, I've got one of these uh, scanners as well. Um was it freestyle Libre scanners that, you know, I can obviously check my bloods uh 24-7 for two weeks so I scanned it before I left and it was like 4.9 so it was like right golden and I wasn't saying like oh you're going low or you're going up it was just like it was steady hmm. and that was like half an hour before the walk but I then started walking down towards bar and about halfway down it's only about a five minute walk from where I was and halfway down I'm just walking on the path and the same thing happens again my legs just give way and what I found was strange was, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I would go low, I would get a bit shaky. I'd feel my heart nearly tighten up a little bit. My my mouth would start 
getting a bit dry and feeling a bit weird. But with that, none of the the effects appeared. None of the like shaky stuff, none of the chest pain or heart pain or kind of weird nature of my mouth. I'd get no taste. None of that appeared and suddenly my legs give way. And then I'm there just like just leaning up against Donnybrook Stadium, the outside of it. And then I get back up and start walking, start walking 10, 15 steps. And then about 15 steps later, boom, straight to the floor, really like completely grazed my knee. It was that intense of a fall. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, here we go again. Surely not. But uh, a woman drove by because I was on the N11 on a path drives by and goes, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, no, 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 I'm absolutely fine. And obviously I wasn't, but she then drives off because there wasn't a huge amount of cars. But the good news was I was only about 80 meters from Spar. And I remember getting into Spar and just being like, I need, uh, give me anything. And your man was just like, what? I was like, give <laughs> me something of sugar benefits or carbohydrates benefits right now. And ended up, um, ended up like sitting in spar for like ten minutes on a little stool till my bloods came back. But yeah, when I checked, I had my freestyle library with me. I dropped to like two point four, and what basically happened was I, when I checked uh, about forty minutes prior to that, I was actually like I'd overshot my kind of dinner, and it was just gradually going down. And what I mean by overshot, I took too much insulin. And it was just gradually dropping and then just at around, yeah, about half 40 minutes before the incident, I was like four points. I think it was just like around five and then it was like 4.54. It was literally dropping 0.5 per five, 10 minutes. And then before I knew it, I was 2.3 and not being able to stand up. But the, the good news about this was that I was so close to like a shop and I could just roll in and just be like right i've been here before but the slightly humbling aspect of it and concerning one as well was that i didn't really feel it coming and the the usual things you'd get with hypos just weren't there the the shakes the lack of taste in your mouth the maybe beating of your heart the sweats none of that happened it just was a case of i'm listening to my my apple music all is good blair and blink 182 and then next thing i know crap i've i've no power in my legs okay let's walk again oh god no i've actually fallen now there's some stranger in their car thinking i'm either way too drunk or else having a bit of an episode so it was an interesting one and and since then it's it's been a case where i've really been on top of it not so much because of the hypo itself just the the lack of warning the, just the the way when I was say whatever three point six I didn't feel it, and it took till I was below two point five for my body to physically uh, break down. And the thing is, since then I've had a few like slight lows, like three point eight, three point seven. But with that, I can feel it. I, I know I'm. You get that feeling where you're just like, okay, I'm low. I need to have something here just to boost it up a bit. But for whatever reason, that particular, maybe it was because I was walking or I can't really put my finger on it. There was just, there was no real warning signs until I just literally was walking and the legs gave way twice in a row. And yeah, thankfully I was only 60, 80 meters from my trusty 24-7 
as spar. I thought could give me a, a Hershey bar. So it was uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a saving grace. Yeah, spar was definitely the lights lifesaver there. Yeah, um, and I was going to ask you, why do you think that you didn't feel it, Richie? Do you think it was down to the fact that you were walking? Because I've even felt that, and and from my own experience, where if I have a hypo when I'm kind of sitting down and doing nothing my awareness of it or or the senses are kind of heightened to it whereas if I'm out for a run or if I'm walking or exercising in any way I don't feel it as I would I don't feel it as obviously so do you think and even comparing the two incidents that you've had the first one you almost felt it and you were kind of dizzy and, and lightheaded in a sense but you were you were sitting at the end of your bed, mm. whereas this time you were walking and you were moving, and your your heart's already probably beating faster from the walk itself. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a fair assumption and a fair point, and I, I definitely do agree with you. Like if I'm doing high intensity stuff, if I'm playing football, playing rugby, if I'm in the gym, if I'm doing something that like even stuff like mountain biking, if, even if you're low, you don't really know it until you're kind of at a standstill or you just check your bloods to begin with so i definitely think the combination of being outside walking music blaring your awareness isn't isn't there there's a complete difference to that than if you're sitting in a quiet room on your bed no distractions fully at at peace with how you're feeling and what you're Mm. thinking so i do feel and i do agree with you that when you're doing something that is, you know, exercise or even if you're just moving in general and like even sometimes driving the car, you wouldn't be as aware as you would be just sitting on a sofa. But it was definitely a case where the fact that I was moving, the fact that maybe I was a bit tired, my senses weren't as heightened as they normally would be. I think that definitely played into it, but it still was a bit alarming that even just going for a walk that it can just boom. Next thing you know, you're lying on a on a curb in the middle of the night. You thinking, "Oh God, here we here we go again." Wolf of Wall Street Part Two. <laughs> yeah, stop. I know, and and I suppose that, as you say, kind of humbles you to the idea of how quickly and how fragile your your bloods are, how quickly yeah. they can drop, and how fragile they are in the sense of, you know. I'm happy I'm at 4.6 or I'm happy I'm at 5.5. And then boom, within 10, 15, 20 minutes, you've dropped so low where you're physically collapsing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a pretty 360 experience to be honest. Oh yeah. My bloods are great. 30 minutes later. Oh God, this is, this has happened again. And do you think Richie that has, had an impact on your overall management since those two incidents? Like, do you feel differently about your diabetes now? A little bit. Yeah, I I definitely would be, I'd be much more bigger picture on my diabetes now. And the thing is like the first year or two I had it, I was a bit neglectful. I didn't really care. I was kind of like, ah, screw this. If I, if I've got problems, they can, they can deal with me in 30 years type stuff. But now since I think it's when the immediate things happen, you start thinking a bit more long-term. And what I mean by that is a lot of the issues you hear about diabetes, maybe if your bloods are a bit high is, Oh, in 20 years, your eyesight might deteriorate or 
in 50 years you might have to you know look at amputations of toes or feet and all this type of terrible stuff but i think when something as immediate as that happens where you get a low and you basically lose the ability to function as a human being it makes you think okay well let me respect what i have to deal with every single hour of every single minute of every single day but it's not like i've changed much because like my bloods i get them checked every every single year i get on my eye scans and for the last four or five years my averages have always between you know six and seven and but with that with these two instances especially in the last two years it's it's given me a, a greater respect for the the disability but more of a long-term respect to it because i've seen how much my body has changed how i react to lows and highs how i've come out of COVID, how i reacted to vaccinations how i had to adjust my units that it's an ever evolving issue i have that i constantly have to respect but then also respect the fact that you know it's it's not this is not just like a, a summer camp two two weeks stay. like this thing's here to stay unless some absolute genius in some science lab one day wakes up and goes okay we can we can produce insulin for all these diabetics and we all go on the absolute tear for 48 hours consecutively because <laughs> we've got a, a click sorry a cure for it but until that day happens i now have a, a much more long-term respect for it where i'm no longer just thinking ah, i'll deal with that down the road or whatever like i'm i'm very much looking at it as a you know something that's going to be by my side hand in hand for the next you know hopefully 40 50 years but mm. no to answer your question in, in long i suppose it's i haven't really changed anything like physically or with my insulin but my outlook has changed considerably i think it was perfect what you said earlier in terms of how it's almost like a match against your diabetes each day mm. and it is that daily battle and with the immediate impacts that you've already experienced of of these hypos so intensely so quickly that's the immediate day-to-day -day thing and then we constantly need to battle that but then we also need to constantly battle the long-term consequences as, as you've already touched on and i think if we're able to just focus on that day-to-day -day, we can do what we can the best of our ability to combat those immediate impacts but then our day-to-day -day is what leads to the long term so if we're doing what yeah. we can day-to-day day, day in day out each week each month each year hopefully we're in a good place long term yeah well that's that's what we we sign up for if we if we go after it so yeah no fingers crossed that's that's how it turns out but yeah well said on your behalf anyway the day-to-day -day is so important so that was part one of my chat with richie as you know if you are listening on the day of the release of this episode part two will be out tomorrow but if you are listening on any other day part two is going to be the next episode on our list enjoy that one and thanks for listening to part one <laughs>